Welcome to Message Received. In this longer episode recorded earlier in the year, we welcomed Itzia Kanamasas, who spoke to Tim about vertical growth. Passionate about leading high-performing teams to commercial success, Itzia strives to stimulate growth by developing people and teams. Hello and welcome to Message Received. I'm your host, Tim Ferguson. I'm so thrilled to be with you today and with Itziar Kanamasis. I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation. There's a lot we're going to explore under the really intriguing title of vertical growth. And I'm not sure vertical growth in this case means what you might think it means, listeners. So let's dive right into it. Itziar, welcome to Message Received. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm thrilled to be here today and to get to know you and to connect with your listeners. Wonderful. And we like to begin with what we call the highlight reel. So introducing oneself is always a challenge. And I know you've got a really interesting background. There's so many things you could talk about. If I said, just give us the highlights, what do we need to know about you in order to locate you and understand where you're coming from? So my name is Itziar Canamasas. I'm originally from a town close to Barcelona. I'm a mother of an eight-year-old son. I am married uh, for 20 years. Uh, I have a PhD in tumor genetics, and I've been working for Bayer, a life sciences company, also for the last 20 years. And it's been a tremendous journey of growth, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about it uh, a little bit more. On a personal note, I love being in nature being with my family and friends. Um, I like to meditate and uh, do yoga and read and do music, sing with my son, play the piano. And I'm a football fan, uh, an FC Barcelona fan. So it's been quite difficult times in these past years, but we are kind of making a comeback. So hopefully things will be better soon. So be careful. I think you're, you're living in Basel. You're supposed to say you're an FC Basel fan, aren't you? I am also an FC Basel fan. And interestingly, the founder of Barcelona is from Basel. And the colors of Basel are the same colors of Barcelona. And it's not because of Barca, it's because of Basel. Uh, at least that's my understanding. Very interesting. Well, welcome to the program again. Can you tell me more about the music? I want to just hear a little bit about music because I have a sense that someone who's interested in vertical growth, who has also been playing an instrument and involved in music her whole life, that there must be a relationship here. What do you think about music and what made you interested in it in the first place? Super interesting question, by the way, because I've never thought of music in connection to vertical growth, but this will be something that I'll be reflecting on in the days to come. But how I came into music was because of my family. My dad had been a singer and then later on also a musician playing saxophones for most of his life, in addition to being a teacher. So I got in touch into music and loving music and singing from a very early age. As I said, I'm from this very small town and that gave the opportunity also of moving around the town very independently from early on. Uh, I did all kinds of basic education, composing, I sang in choirs, I played in orchestras, quartets, uh, you name it. And from that too, experiencing also a lot of opportunities for growth. 
with the orchestra, you know, we were traveling sometimes around Europe. Uh, it gave me also the chance to be in the youth orchestra of Catalonia and, and yeah, experience the world with a different lens than just basically going to university or to high school each and every day. When I started working at Bayer and I moved to the States, in every station where I was, I was basically joining a different kind of choir. It was a big part of your life. Yes, it, it is. It used to be more. When I became a mummy, it's all upside down, but then I lived music through my son. So already when he was uh, in my belly, I had songs that I was singing to him every day. And we've been singing ever since. And now he's learning an instrument. And, and it's amazing because he's singing all the time. And I hope he never loses that uh, passion for it too. Oh, I'm sure he won't. It's in the blood, as they say. Mm -hmm. In Message Received, we're very interested in communication and the relationship between preparation and delivery. And how do I prepare to communicate in a way that allows me to still be relaxed and natural? And we, we call this prepared spontaneity. High level of preparation leading to an ability to really listen and really respond to the other person. I am not a musician, but my, my experience with musicians is that the, the notion that music is communication and that what people playing together, needing to listen to each other, and the, this relationship between preparation and performance, what does this say to you, what I'm getting at? If you had to draw lessons for those who are not musicians, from music to communication, where would you take that? Let me start first with a word that you used, which is anticipation. And it's interesting you're mentioning the word because last week I was uh, skiing and I was fortunate to have a teacher. And this teacher is not only a ski teacher, but it's also a mountaineer. When I was talking about vertical growth with him, he then said, well, one of the things that make him be the best he can be is to anticipate. And in particular, being in, in a dangerous space for him, if you have not really anticipated and potentially planned about what could happen, then the chances that maybe a mistake can happen are higher than if you had. And in fact, this is a post I'm preparing for LinkedIn. And I took a picture of him and I to speak about it because it made me reflect to see, okay, so how do I integrate that concept and that intervention into the concept of growth enablement? And now back to communication and anticipation and music, which is your other part of the question. Music is a way to communicate and connect. It is magic because it allows truly to bring people together that are very small children with 80, 90 years old. When you're aiming to communicate, communication is a form of allowing that connection. So indeed, it has a lot of parallelisms. Music with communication, with connection that are critical to ultimately rule the impact and make the impact that you would like to achieve in any part of life. Very interesting. I would love to go back to the mountaineering later in the conversation as well, because there I feel when the stakes are so high, when like a bad day at the office means really seriously negative outcomes, the precision of communication, uh, the role of leadership, 
of having to speak up. Like so many things, I think, in the corporate world where we want people to raise their hand and say there's a problem or we want people to be very generous in sharing expertise, where we want people to take smart risks and know the difference between a, being reckless and taking a, a necessary risk, that in the mountains, all of that is heightened. I find a lot of people in the corporate world when they're struggling to take on new behaviors, if you just say, well, what do you do on the weekends? Oh, I'm a mountaineer. Oh, I'm a musician. It's like, well, well, why don't you act more like a mountaineer at work, more like a musician at work during the week and not save it for the weekend? And actually, you already know a lot of the skills, a lot of the behaviors, a lot of the changes that need to be made to allow us to be more agile, to be more flexible, to be more innovative, all these things that I think we're looking for in the world right now and in our organizations. So many interesting connections that we could tie to. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) I think what everyone's waiting for now is what is vertical growth? So why don't you, I'll hand you the microphone and you just expound. So for me, what vertical growth means is the conscious application of interventions that will allow for growth to happen. And I reinforce the word conscious. Why do I say that? How many times any of us finish the day and think, oh my God, today was wonderful. I've made such an impact. I've helped that person or I felt I've grown a lot. But very few of us really stop to reflect why did that growth momentum happen? What was the environment? What did I do? What did the other person do? So that ultimately through that reflection, you're able to understand it and for yourself, potentially apply it in the future because you understand that this intervention has enabled for that growth to happen. And so the concept of vertical growth is as if you see a ladder of steps that because you're applying those interventions more and more often, you're growing much faster than if you basically go through life or through your work without consciously applying it. You'll grow. All humans grow. We all evolve. It's just it will not happen at that rapid pace and you will potentially not be maximizing your potential impact that you could have in the world. Part of it, it sounds like, is around being consciously competent. So rather than just, how are things going? Oh, my career is going well. I'm developing. I'm growing. How are you doing it? I don't know. I just come to work and work. It's like, well, no, let's, let's take some time out and deconstruct it. Why did that work? Why did that go well? Is, is this correct? Yes. And it's not only for career. It's for your own personal growth, for the growth of teams for the, or collectives in general. It doesn't have to be work-related. And for the growth of organizations. And there's three different elements or enablers that I've developed that help me better understand how to apply those interventions, right? The first one, it's all about connectedness. And we've already been speaking about connection and the importance of connecting. And the second one, it's about purpose. And the third one is about curiosity. And it's like a three by three matrix, right? So as you could do connection, purpose, and curiosity, and apply interventions on yourself, your team, collective you belong to, and in the organization that you have, and if you're lucky to to lead or, or be able to make an impact. And you call yourself, if I look you up on LinkedIn, you call yourself a vertical growth enabler, an innovator, and the head of oncology at EMEA Bayer. How do those go together? Is your day job vertical growth enabler, or is your day job 
hey, head of oncology for the region. How do you see it when you wake up in the morning? When I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I reflect always on is how grateful I am to be where I am. And then I recall my purpose, which is to enable breakthroughs for a better world. And then I have a practice of reflecting how can I best apply which interventions to make sure that I'm going to be ruling my impact throughout the day to maximize my purpose. If I'm enabling that growth, I mean, I'm labeling now vertical growth, but before I labeled it vertical growth, it's just this routine of really looking at how can I make the best possible impact because that's what my calling is. That's the legacy I like to live in this world. And I look for ways on how can I maximize it. If I'm on LinkedIn, I'm trying to maximize the channel for my own growth, but then also for hopefully the growth of others. And my champagne moment is if just one person really learns that whatever I've written, it touches them and it makes them take action, then I've lived my purpose uh, in that instance. And, and that's how I see it. It's not one or other. It's just all, all together. It's a way of living. Integrated. Exactly. When you get to work, whether that's virtually or in person, and you're speaking with your colleagues, is this what you're talking about or is it in the background? Do you know what I mean? Are, I mean, are you talking about, hey, what, what's, uh, what's the new clinical trial that we're working on? Or are you, hey, how are you feeling today? What's important to you today? What's your priority today? What are your conversations like? So it will depend on which is the forum that I'm in. So for example, if it's specifically with my team and we are on our weekly operational meeting, right? We have a routine that it's designed to allow for connection, to be really effective, to really be fast, adaptive, make decisions, and all of it to happen within one hour, right? So I'm applying a framework that enables that vertical growth or that enables that growth and impact on the collective in the most rapid fashion. If it is on a one-on-one, right? Always I look to first create that connection to see how people then are. And then it's different depending on the person that is in front of me. If it's someone that has more like a science background and what we're gonna be talking is just science and more database, then I'm there to listen, I'm there to connect and I'm there to enable them in the role that I am. So it's almost like a operating system for your for yourself and then also now for your team. And are, are you talking about connection and purpose and curiosity in an explicit way with the team? Or is it like, would they say to me, if I said to them, so Itziar, what she's like to work with? Oh, would they say, well, she's applying this vertical growth concept and it's really great for our team? Or would they say, well, she's a, she's a really great teammate, she's a great leader. And there's something, there's a consistency there, but I'm not quite sure what it is. Like how explicit are you about this approach yeah. with your team? So first of all, vertical growth, it's a fairly recent label that I found to it. Personally, I've been on this growth, strong growth journey for the last four years. And it all started, number one, by finding who I am. So having a great coach in Ireland to apply ultimately, in my case, the Enneagram tool Ah, to really connect to myself and through understanding myself better, being able to elevate and apply the different tools of the Enneagram to be the best version of myself. At the same time, we were working with the Irish team to future-proof the organization. We wanted to understand how do we need to design an organization to ultimately continue to be successful in a world that it's constantly changing. And the concept of agility and the concept of purpose came up. 
and uh, basically start applying that journey of purpose first on myself. I started then not only finding my purpose, but applying my purpose daily, similar to what we were discussing before. And it made such an impact that when discussing it with the team, we then decided to apply that concept to the entire organization. So all of the teams were asked to work on their purpose. Each employee was given the chance to develop their own purpose. And that was just the beginning of the Innovate That Journey. There were many other interventions on that journey too, towards making this agile organization that little by little brought me there to make it happen. So we established self-organized culture committees. We created a flexible work policy pre-COVID. We asked and gave the freedom for each and every employee to learn for two hours, not on SCP, but to dedicate two hours of learning every week. We develop learning for better growth strategy, helping each employee map their strengths, where they want to go and map what kind of trainings they would be able to do. And after about the period of six months, I was still looking for the operating system to transform the way of working. And at that time, I read a fantastic book. I don't know if you've uh, heard from Frederic Laloux. Um, Reinventing organizations. organizations. And at the same time, also found an external partner that had developed a system called Adaptive Governance. And I just went back to my team and I said, look, I think that this is what we're going to need. Do you trust me to try it? If it doesn't help us, then we just basically kill it. And if it helps us, then we can continue to experiment. And I still remember it was uh, October 2019. And it made such an impact that we basically decided we're going to integrate it into the entire organization. And by the time I left Ireland, we had transformed into circular organization applying this operating system with basically strategic meeting that where you define your customers, your purpose, how close you are to achieving that purpose, what actions do you need to take on that period to get closer to the practice, really, really, really structured framework. And then gain clarity of roles and responsibilities and accountabilities and created that operating meeting format I was describing earlier on to really make the, the meetings super efficient, clear, and, and co-develop strategies at the end of the day whenever required for the betterment of, of, of the patients and, and the development of value solutions for our customers. It sounds like you started with yourself, that you yes. no one told you to do this. You said, you know what, I want to have a more purpose-driven life or I want to be growing, I want to develop myself. This started to have an impact on your immediate team around you the immediate team as they were also getting breakthroughs or also feeling that they were developing then like a, a pebble in the pond, the ripple started to go outwards. They're feeling better and better about it. Then you said, we need to take this to another level. We need an operating system. And you found reinventing organizations. And suddenly you had like a blueprint to work with to scale it. Is that a, a fair description? Yes. Uh, the only thing I would add is you make it sound as if it's all very linear. No journey is linear. When you look back, it looks so linear, right? Um, the trigger for me at the time was the fact that all my life, work life, when I started working at a buyer, I wanted to be a, a CEO, a country head. And then when I achieved it, it was like, what do I want to be? <laughs> How do I do? <laughs> you know, and... Uh, and that meant, okay, going at the same time, I had a great boss and he said, why don't you look for a coach? And you start that journey of looking for a coach. And that's what started the journey. And it came together with the fact that as a CEO, as in your role now, your role is to enable the human capital of the organization and understand how do you 
best maximize the human capital. So that's what ended up triggering all that search. And throughout, it's a continuous experimentation at a personal level and at an organizational level. And it all culminated, I still remember in, in October of this year, I was on, on vacation in Barcelona. And I, I woke up and I had this concept of verticality, of vertical growth. And, and, and so that means at my work, they wouldn't really have been hearing me talking about it because I don't need to talk about it. I'm just leaving the principles. I continue to experiment. I continue to connect. I continue to see together with them what it is that we can do differently to, to continue to impact the world. That's why I wanted to, to double back on this and, and make sure I was clear, because I think what you're saying is so important that many organizations who want to bring, and they call it different things. We want to be agile. We want to be teal. We want to work in sprints. We want to get rid of hierarchy. We like yeah. different ways of articulating it. If the leader doesn't embody it, heart, mind, soul, it's just another like fancy sounding reorganization plan. And so we talk about transformation and transformation, I think on a personal level, we know exactly what it means. If I feel like I've personally been transformed from what I was before to what I am now, and it's vertical, it's it's positive growth, then transformation is a, is a great concept. If transformation sounds like it's an organizational change but the the leader's heart has not been transformed. The leadership team's spirit has not been transformed. Then it just it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But it sounds like your transformation began with yourself from within. And I love the fact that you're putting the emphasis on living it versus talking about it. And this is so important because in particular, when you're trying to transform a collective, you need to enable people to connect and to experience and to truly awaken that curiosity, right? So I always describe it that it's like as if someone is describing chocolate to you, but you've never tasted chocolate. Is oh my gosh, then chocolate is so amazing. You're going to have an explosion of flavors and it's so great and it's black and it can be this color and that. But until you don't put it in your mouth and you taste it, you're not going to know. And so at least my Learning has been exactly what you're saying, storytelling, living it, but then also create interventions in that transformation that will make people feel the impact a little bit even to make them curious and want to go together with you. That's so crucial. I think also leading by example where, I mean, I remember very early in my career, I would just kind of look around and I'd see, okay, hardworking person, self-managed, self-led, seems happy, uh, complaining person, thinks the senior management is stupid, thinks the organization is not happy. And it's like, well, who do I want to be? You look for examples. And so if I see you so happy, big smile on your face, and I say, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm eating chocolate. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I want some. Again, it comes back to just live it. And people will either look at it and think they want it as well, or they'll look at it and think it's not for them. It's almost like you can't really tell anyone what to do. Am I right? Yes. And another big learning over the years is not everyone is going to want to taste your chocolate. <laughs> and be very, very conscious of spending your energy on those that want to taste it. Give a chance to those that don't want to taste it, but don't waste your energy in trying to bring everyone along. And that for me was a big aha moment. Actually, it was uh, Greg Sattel, 
I don't know if you know him. He's written wonderful books and he, he has experienced that. And for me, since I listened to his podcast, I've been consciously applying it. Because as a person, I'm super inclusive. I like to make it right for everyone and bring everyone on board. It will not happen. And don't waste your energy on those that don't want to come along with you. Focus your energy on making that transformation and change happen on those that want. I think that's one of those things that it can be easier said than done because of our emotion and sometimes our ego. So I find that when, you know, I'm beating the drum on a new idea or a new initiative, it's disappointing or even uh, embarrassing or you feel like you have failed because not everybody is on board, because not everybody agrees, because not everybody wants to, to be excited about what you're excited about. And I feel like on a very primal emotional level, I feel set back. If you ever experienced this, what do you do to get yourself back on track and, and feeling like, hey, it's okay, I, I can't, not everyone's going to get on board and that's okay. How do you do, deal with it emotionally? Number one, I always go through life thinking that everyone wants to be their best. So I give it really a try to connect and understand the why they are not on board. Because maybe there's a learning there's something missing. There's something that I can take of it that will help me advance and increase the impact. The second thing also is, as I said, the realization that, that not everyone will be and that automatically say, okay, it's life. Move on and focus on making the impact on those where you really can make an impact. The third thing, which is a solution that allows the growth of the organization, is to Relay the culture and the solution finding to everyone. And what do I mean? In the past, I've been part of a lot of organizations where you do the survey of great places to work or whatever it is. We have the discussion at the leadership team. Oh, these are going to be the three initiatives we're going to do to address those three points. And then you announce the initiatives and then uh, things happen. But it's all been developed and cooked at the leadership team level. The experiment we tried in Ireland was different. We just said, okay, we as an organization think that these are the areas where we could maybe be better. Who would want to volunteer into going into those areas and see what can be done in order to make something happen? And by the way, we're going to assign a sponsor as a person from the leadership team so that he can or she can be there to remove any barriers you may have when you want to execute something. And you're going to have the opportunity on a quarterly basis to come and share progress or basically let us know or see how can we help as a leadership team to do. It was incredible. First of all, the results improved a lot in the following years. Why? Because they were the ones really developing that culture. When you yes. say the results, do you mean both internal and external? Like, like, is this leading to sales? Is this leading to improved financial performance as well as relationships with customers, as well as good feelings within the team and high empowerment scores on, on surveys? Like when you say results, what do you mean? In this example I was giving, it was on the culture piece, so on the survey of culture. The entire transformation interventions I was talking about is, yes, we delivered continuous growth of our market in the years that I was there with an increase in profitability. And also, we measured our agility attributes and were able then not only to improve them, but we also 
completely reduce the trapped attributes like backstabbing politics, um, things are happening that I don't know, right? Overall, yes, we did measure and we did improve across all levels. What a huge and satisfying accomplishment. Incredible. So anyone listening who thinks this is all just a nice emotional talk, it has a business application. And I know you've got a background in sales, which is a whole other discussion. As someone who's been in the sales position understands that if this doesn't impact our business, it's not really helping us. Last set of questions that I'd like to get into is around doing this at scale. So you've been mentioning working in Ireland and uh, on a country level. And now I understand you're in a regional role for all of EMEA and therefore applying what your your concepts here you're doing them now on a different scale any insights from from that transformation or tr- that transition rather yes and that was one of the intriguing parts of me switching to that regional role i was able to grow so much locally by having been the ceo and and being able to apply certain transformation that that enabled me to really understand what are g- going to be the elements that could be applied to drive transformational growth also at the regional level. So uh, we experimented in applying that different way of working at three different levels in the region. I applied it then on my own team. I applied it then into the regional leadership team, as well as then also for one of the launch teams from the biggest asset for us in oncology and region EMEA. And with all the learnings I had had, went there with open eyes While the framework was basically the same, the application of it was slightly different depending on the group and the purpose and the goals that you were wanting to achieve. And the transformation again, because I measured it, understanding what it was uh, has been incredible. Some of the groups had agility attributes. I mean, basically, they were not really a team. So the agility attributes were nearly non-existent to then all of a sudden being the highest in the way that they were executing things. We improved efficiency, connection, speed of value solutions by just shifting the way we work, by connecting those collectives, by energizing them in a different way. It's really been an incredible opportunity that I've had here in the region. And now I'm also applying this in a different role. So I'm volunteering as the organizational development director for the Healthcare Business Women Association. They have uh, the ambassador program within it. It's a wonderful self-organized program with lots of potential for growth and a visionary leader of the program. I just was letting her know if she would be keen to experiment and explore a different way of working because if it's already tough in organizations, in voluntary work where all of us have many other hands, we need to be even much more effective and efficient and clear what we can do to have the biggest impact. And so we're starting that journey now, understanding what we're trying to serve, what's the purpose, how can we best leave it, what roles do we need, how do we want to make it happen? So it's going to be an interesting experiment also, and I'm really grateful to be given this opportunity by this association also to do that. The language that you use is very interesting to me. You talk about uh, experimentation, the sense of not really knowing how it's going to go, but being willing to try the feeling of when you talk about self-organizing, it's almost like watching your garden come up in the spring, curious as to see what's there. What's, what is the relationship between learning and experimentation and this kind of approach of, of vertical growth? So for me, the third enabler is curiosity and learning and experimentation. I group these aspects, which is crucial. 
and that this third element, yeah? So curiosity is this wanting to learn, relearn, unlearn each and every day, having an abundance mindset, a growth mindset, experimenting, not wanting to plan for it to be perfect, but just deciding on the best next step, applying interventions and techniques that allow you as a collective to make that happen. So absolutely, this is so important. And it's even more important in today's world where everything changes so fast that either we are not constantly adapting ourselves and our organizations or we're just not going to succeed. And for those looking for certainty, saying, it's Sarah, this all sounds really interesting, but my boss needs certainty or my senior management wants to know, will this work 100%? Can we get this done in three months? Or can we get this done in how, like, or how much will this cost? So for people who are looking for that, what's your response to them? How do you manage those kind of pushbacks? Leadership has to believe or leadership has to give you the freedom and empower you to be able to bring that forward and make it happen. So if you have leadership that really is so controlling and is not there in enabling that kind of experimentation and transformation, then it will be very difficult. And then I would say if this is something very dear to you and you want to make it happen, then maybe look for a space in an environment where this will be possible. But I would like to challenge that also. Because I do believe, and I've experienced it in my 20 years at a big pharma company, that all of us have a certain sphere of influence. So it may not be that you're going to be able to make it happen in everything that you do, but maybe there's something that you really control. Maybe there's that one team that you're part of that you're able then to start making that happen. And then people start talking about it because, oh my gosh, in that team. And then your boss starts being curious about it. And then all of a sudden, you need to start somewhere. And if you have the energy to be a rebel and to be that change agent of the organization, there's always a way. It's just, it may not be as big as you may want at the beginning, but there's always an opportunity. And like you said, it starts with yourself, right? The one person that we can control theoretically is ourself, which is a, it's a very interesting topic in and of itself that who do I need to lead? Well, I need to lead myself. That's the most important person and the most difficult person for, for me to lead. John Maxwell has lots of great quotes on that one. So I just think, yeah, that's very true. Be the change you wish to see in the world. If you can do it, then someone else can do it. And they, they'll watch you enjoying your chocolate and say, oh, I want some of that. That looks pretty good. This yes. has been a wonderful conversation, and I wish we could go on, but all, all good things come to an end. We always end with a question, and the question is, our podcast is called Message Received. So for those listeners who are, you're going to give one takeaway message, what message do you want to make sure they receive from our conversation today? My key takeaway message would be the following. Everything is possible. Gain clarity of who you are. What do you want? And engage your curiosity to achieve it. Well, you've definitely engaged our curiosity. And I think that you've helped us focus on purpose, what's what's important to us. And we've definitely made a great connection with you on, on the podcast today. So thank you again for taking the time and look forward to seeing you in Basel sometime soon. Me too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Message Received. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please watch out for the next one in the series, High Performing Cultures with Deborah Abbott.